something people with the name spelt just like that, which is really cool. Yeah, yeah. I actually I met a guy in college with the exact same name and spelling as me, which is really nice. Um, so yes, I'm here uh, representing Called College. And if you were walking in, you probably saw a huge 8x8 banner out there. It says Called College, huge QR codes, stickers and stuff all over the place on like a little table. Um, Called College is a brand new college that is being built from the ground up right now to begin this upcoming fall semester in Lake Williamson, the very place that you, most of you may know and love as camp, uh, that I know and love as the home of the Purple Team champions for the past five years. Amen. Amen. Week two. We got to say week two as well. Um, so yes, uh, called college. It's a brand new college being built up. It's a two-year program that is offering associate's degrees in both pastoral studies and global studies. And it's tailored specifically for students like you that are called into the ministry or to uh, be a missionary at different parts of the world. And so we're going to be offering two-year degree programs so you can learn about the Bible, learn about theology, learn about what it means to be a pastor, just from like reading books, leadership books, that kind of stuff. But something that we're really uh, excited to offer as well is just practical ministry experience for you. So one of the big things that we're doing is we're going to be sending students out weekly uh, or at least giving them opportunities to go out weekly to be with other pastors and uh, worship leaders, worship pastors, or, uh, youth pastors, children's pastors, every, every form of ministry in a church within like a two-hour radius right now of Carlinville. So we're, we're currently working on getting further out and going all across Illinois, but you will have opportunities to uh, go into ministry, practically uh, work at it, and just really see the behind the scenes of ministry. Because uh, if some of you may not know, ministry is not very pretty. Uh, it's not all the, the lights, the, the cameras, the, the hype, super spiritual big moments that you might see at Breakaway or Momentum. There's a lot more behind the scenes that happens. There's a lot more hurt even and heartbreak and just frustration that comes along with it. And Jesus talks a lot about that. And so uh, we just want to give you guys an opportunity. If you're called into the ministry and you're interested, just to, to check it out. Uh, we have a spring preview coming up next week. Uh, yes, Thursday and Friday next week, February 23rd and 24th. Pastor Izzy is actually going to be there as part of a big panel. Yeah, give him a let's go, Pastor Izzy. And so it's going to be a really cool opportunity for you if you're interested or if you have an inkling of an idea that you're called into the ministry or you know you've been called before, come on out to check out our spring preview next week. Pastor Izzy is going to get a van and, or some kind of vehicle and load everyone up and take y'all down. And party bus, let's go. Let's go. Um, and you'll be able to come down, check out how Lake Williamson will function as a college campus. We have amazing housing for you guys. Uh, you go on campus tours, there's giveaways for stuff, and, and all that kind of stuff. So anyways, that's, that's just a little bit I want to talk about for Called College. Um, if you want to talk with about, oh, if you want to talk with me more about it, find me afterwards near the, the, the booth outside. So we're going to go ahead and get into the message tonight. I encourage you to take some notes, pull out a notebook, work, work on the notes app on your phone, because uh, if you can show me your notes by the end, I have some stickers out there, some really nice called college stickers I would like to give to you, because they're not free, so just please show me some notes, and we'll get you some stickers. It'd be awesome. Um, and also, if you have a Bible, physical Bible, or you want to pull it up on your phone, turn to John chapter 15, and we're going to be there um, today. So, 
We'll go ahead here. The title of my message tonight is Expectation Versus Reality. I'm going to wait for that. Boom. And you might be able to tell uh, this is a Super Smash Bros. Ultimate font. Guys, I'm a, I'm a bit of a nerd. I'm a bit of a nerd, a huge nerd. I actually have a Pokemon Go plus uh, <laughs> Sal loves it. I got it going right now. It's connected. I'm, I'm, I'm catching Pokemon and spinning the Pokestop as we speak, guys. I, just, just so y'all know, I caught a shiny Spinda earlier today. It's a super rare. Yeah, I know. I know, Gio. It's crazy. Yes. Shiny Spinda before the Hoenn tour happens, too. Uh, See, so yeah, I'm a bit of a nerd, and I just, you know, if I sound a little weird or you think I'm a little weird, that's why. It's because I'm a nerd, and I just hope you guys can, you know, appreciate that about me at least a little bit. But expectation versus reality, right? That's, uh, that's what we're going to be talking about tonight. Uh, and I kind of took this from uh, an old internet meme that I kind of grew up looking at. You might have seen it before, of like two pictures side by side with just expectation versus reality. Super simple, super simple. And so let's go through a couple of them so I can kind of just give you guys an idea of what I'm talking about here. So first off, let's look at one expectation versus reality that I know as the, the classic, the go-to, uh, the Big Mac from McDonald's, right? And so you'll see here on my right, your guys' left is uh, the expectation, right? This is what McDonald's will always show us, the, the advertisements. You see this perfect uh, Big Mac right here. Uh, all the buns, they're not soggy, they're, they're, they're like the... The same exact size. The burgers are cooked and looking great. You have all this lettuce. You see, there's actually pickles there. I don't know if you can see it, but there's pickles. And the cheese is melting off the side, right? You know, that's, that's a first for, for McDonald's. I've never had a burger with an actual the cheese just melting off the side. It's crazy. But because in reality, what I end up getting is what we see here on my left is this, this Big Mac where the burger, you can see the burgers are definitely, they don't look, it doesn't look like real meat. You know, there's three strands of lettuce, one cold thing of, of, of a pickle, a slice of pickle, and then there's a cold slice of cheese. Sometimes, you know, I get it where the cheese is like hanging off the side of the burger completely, or it's not even on the burger, you know, and you see there's an indent at the very top where someone was probably putting a huge, th- like just thumbing down on the top bun, you know, just making sure it, gets, it can fit inside the, the, the container that it's in. And so what we see is just what McDonald's shows us, what we expect from McDonald's, doesn't line up with the reality of what they give us. Not at all. Now, next up, let's look at my favorite fast food restaurant of all time. Taco Bell. Taco Bell, baby. I'm from Carlinville. I'm from Carlinville. That's all we got. That's all we got. It's not even in Carlinville. It's in the town over, okay? So Taco Bell. You see, what we expect, or what I always expect from Taco Bell I'm looking at the Doritos Locos taco, this, this perfect-looking taco, right? The, all the meat is, is there in the shell, perfect meat to lettuce to cheese ratio. It's standing up on it by, by itself on its own. It's looking great. But in reality, as soon as I open that, that uh, the wrapper around the taco, it always looks like this on my left, you know? The, the shell is broken, the meat is falling out. Sometimes the meat's so greasy, it's already seeping through the wrapper as you're holding it, right? And the cheese may be cold sometimes. You know, just Again, same, same exact thing. What we expect to get from Taco Bell, what I always expect to get from Taco Bell, never lines up with the reality. You know, I just get like two big nachos, some greasy meat, and that's about it. So, so that's another expectation versus reality. Let's take a look at another one. This is something that I have been getting into uh, recently, working out, working out. 
Uh, I've been getting I've been getting jacked lately. I'm, I got the I got the gains cover right now. You know, I just gotta wear this big big hoodie so you all can't see my big biceps, bulging biceps. But but what I'm showing here is like. Uh, whenever I first started working out, you know, I expected to immediately, like within two, three weeks of working out, I'm going to look like this guy right here. You know, I'll be deadlifting 350 pounds, you know, I got veins popping, I'm jacked, you know, I can wear a tank and just be popping the pecs everywhere I go, you know, and it just, it'd be great. Two weeks, that's, that's I'm going to be exactly like that. But in reality, I'm here now about five months later, and I'm still looking like this guy on my left, you know. You know, I, I, I got the determination, I got it in my eyes, and I'm probably lifting like 20 pounds, you know, bicep curls, some 20 pounds, and uh, look nothing like this guy on my right here, you know, because the reality of working out is it takes a lot of time. It's, it's a process. In order to get to an image that we are, are pursuing, it takes a long time, a big process. So what I expect from working out doesn't line up the, with the reality of what I uh, actually am going through. So next up, this is something that I know very well about, uh, this expectation versus reality. Uh, we have right here running. You know, when I was in, yeah, when I was in high school, I picked up track and field. I picked up cross country because I was a, going in through middle school, I was, a, I was a big kid. I was a pudgy kid, real big, and I wanted to get into running. And so I thought running, you know, it's going to start off really great. I'm going to feel like this old guy right here. Where I'm just smiling as I run. You know, I got people surrounding me. It's a fun, leisurely activity. You know, we're all having a grand time, laughing, smiling. Even the filter here makes it look a lot happier than what is actually probably going on for most of us when we go out running, if, if you guys run. I, I, it was terrible for me because in reality, I felt a lot like Michael Scott here at the end of the fun run uh, from the office. You know, I'm out here, I'm running. I get done with like 200 meters or something, and I'm already, I'm keeling over, I'm about to die, I'm gasping for air, you know, I got like vomit and spit and uh, sweat just coming down, disgusting, disgusting, because I was expecting something completely different, because in reality, I just was dying, right, exactly, so expectation versus reality, this is the principle of what I want to share with you guys tonight, because... You know, we're all here uh, at Excel, and this is a youth group. I don't know if you knew that. This is a youth group from a church, from a church. And uh, when it comes to church, you know, there's a lot of expectations that we may have, right? Whenever it comes to Christianity or whenever we hear about what it means to follow Jesus. Uh, and I just want to ask you guys just to think real quick. Uh, when it comes to following Jesus, what do you expect? Okay, what, what do you expect whenever it comes to following Jesus, your own relationship with Jesus, or just whenever you hear about somebody that has a relationship with Jesus, what do you expect? Because for me, growing up, I come from a Lutheran church, and so I only ever expected uh, Christianity or being a Christian to ever be following a rule book. You know, the Bible was just a book full of rules. I need to follow it to a T, and if I mess up, then I, I failed big time. I can't get into heaven. I'm going to hell. And it's only ever just going to be that. It's just this list of rules I need to follow for the rest of my life. You know, I've heard that uh, a lot of people 
you know, today, if you, especially if you look on social media, you know, people don't believe in God. People don't believe that Jesus ever existed. And so that causes them to expect that everything that comes with following Jesus doesn't really matter. You know, everything that comes with it uh, doesn't exist either because Jesus doesn't exist. You know, uh, another expectation that I've had for myself, uh, just still to this day that I struggle with, is that I need to live up to this standard of perfection. You know, that uh, the church calls for us to keep uh, pursuing the standard of perfection, that we need to read our Bible certain times, I need to pray a certain way or pray about certain things, I need to be perfect in every possible way. And therefore, uh, because I'm not perfect, I won't be accepted by the church. So that causes me to think that the church doesn't love me, that people in the church don't love me, other Christians don't love me. And so that would in turn mean that Jesus doesn't love me either. But thankfully, those are all just expectations of Christianity. Those are just some expectations that we may hold. You may hold some different expectations, and, and you may be wondering, you know, what is the reality? What is the reality then? Well, go ahead and turn your Bibles to John 15, verse 16. We're going to take a look at what Jesus tells his disciples is the reality of following him. You know, here we see Jesus. This is the night that he is to be betrayed. Judas has already left. He's going to get the Roman officials to bring them back and then take Jesus to be crucified. And so this is like a start of a long list of just final words that Jesus is giving to his disciples before he is to go and be crucified. So this is heavy stuff. It's very important stuff. And it's real stuff. Very real stuff. So Jesus is speaking to his disciples here, and he tells them, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. So the first point I want to cover is that first section of that verse, when Jesus says, You did not choose me, but I chose you. Number one, you are chosen. You are chosen. Just as Jesus was intentional in choosing his disciples, he was intentional in choosing you. This same word that he gave to his disciples applies to you today. So how does that make you feel? How does that make you feel hearing that Jesus, who you might have heard is 100% man, 100% God. He has chosen you. You know, the Bible tells us how we've been chosen, we've been set apart before we were ever born. And before you were ever a thought in someone else's mind. Before Jesus ever went to be crucified, we were chosen. Hebrews tells us that it was for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. And the Bible goes into visceral detail about the very crucifixion of Jesus. So just to give us some context here, I'm going to look through the book of Mark and just kind of glaze through. Because uh, when Jesus was crucified, there was no evil that Jesus had ever done. So therefore he was falsely accused No, Jesus, he was taken to be beaten and to be scourged. 
And whenever someone was scourged back in those days, what happened is there would be a whip that had a bunch of like sharp bone or like pot shards that went all lined up and down it. And they would take this whip so, and beat, uh, whip it against the back of someone so that way those sharp bits would get lodged into their back, into their flesh. So as they whipped it back, so would the flesh come along with it. Flesh and blood and sweat and, and like pus maybe just coming back as... They are scourging someone. And Jesus took that upon himself before he ever took a cross. Jesus was mocked. He was ridiculed. He was dehumanized. Sounds like the purple team at camp for the past couple of years. Just kidding. Jesus took it way worse than we did, for sure. Uh, he was mocked, ridiculed, dehumanized. He was spat on. He was cursed at, humiliated, crucified. Because the very act of crucifixion was him being hung up on the cross, not his actual death. And ultimately, he was killed in the worst possible, imaginable way known to the world at that time. And Mark continues and says that for the last three hours of his life, Jesus was dying in complete darkness. Physical darkness, because the sun was covered that day and there was no light. But also spiritual darkness, because he was completely forsaken by God. You know, the, the judgment that was on him, the wrath of God that was on him for the sins of the world was so great that God himself had to turn his face away. And he was in complete spiritual darkness, complete physical darkness, completely alone. And he took all of that upon himself for us, for you and for me, because he chose you, he chose me. And he did so with joy set before him. So number one, you are, you are chosen. Secondly, Jesus continues and talks to his, to his disciples uh, and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. So in other words, you are appointed or you, you are set apart. Because as Jesus was intentional with setting his disciples apart, he also was intentional in setting you apart. So what does it mean to be set apart? Well, I believe, and I know your youth leaders believe, Pastor Izzy believes, that we all have been set apart for a specific calling on our life. Yeah. We've all been set apart to fulfill something that God has called us to do. This may be to go and be a CEO of a company, of a business. This may be to go and be a manager of a smaller company or manager of some athletic team you know it may be to go and be an athlete to pursue pro athletics and uh, just to, to pursue your dreams in that way it may be to uh, go and be an artist of some kind whether it's through painting drawing uh, or mixing music whatever it is God has given us all specific giftings specific passions and desires in our heart that you know and you know well so that we can go into the world and showcase his beauty to the rest of it. But some of us have a different kind of calling, a different way that we've been set apart. You know, that's, that's why called college is here. And it's a, it's a huge calling that we truly, we believe in, we want to support. Some of you have uh, been set specifically apart for the ministry, to go and to be a pastor, youth pastor, worship pastor, or to be a missionary. 
You may have felt it before or have heard God call you at a breakaway or at momentum or at your spring breakaway. Some of you may be feeling a tug on your heart right now, like just a small little smidge of something that's telling you, maybe, maybe I do want to do this. Maybe this is something that God is calling me to, to go and take his good news to the rest of the world. But you may be experiencing fear. That's the reality that, that follows, is, is fear typically follows. You may fear the difficulties of ministry. You, know, you may not want to deal with so many phone calls of students or of other people in your congregation that would call at like 3 a.m. just wanting to talk about something. You know, it's so difficult to, to plan some stuff, right? You may fear being the only one in your family that is called to the ministry. As far as I know, I am the only one in my family that's been called to the ministry. I'm called a youth ministry. At least in my, my immediate family, no one has been called to the ministry. And in my extended family, I don't know anyone that has had that call in their life. You know, they, they just go to church because they got to go to church. And so you may just be feeling fear because you're the only one that is called to pursue the call to the ministry. Or you may have fear because of what you've been told by friends or family. That you'll fail. That you'll never measure up to it. That because of your past and the sins that you've committed, the screw-ups that you've had, you'll never be able to truly be a pastor. To truly be someone that is set apart by God. I just want to remind you again of the reality of what it means to follow Jesus is that you've been chosen by Jesus and you've been set apart from the rest of the world. That's what Jesus says. And that is greater than any other word that can be said to you. But do you believe that? Do you truly believe that you've been chosen and that you've been set apart from the rest of the world? Because the issue is never if Jesus will choose us or if Jesus will set us apart. You know, Jesus says, you did not choose me, I did choose you, and I have appointed you. He doesn't go back on his word, he doesn't lie. What he says is true. So it's never a question of if Jesus will choose us, it's already been done, you've already been chosen. But rather, it's will we believe in him? Will we believe that? So I want to give you an opportunity to choose Jesus tonight, you know, because every relationship, every good relationship, every healthy relationship is mutual because Jesus will always choose us, even if we never choose him. But to actually be in a relationship with him, we have to choose him, too. So I want to give you an opportunity to do that if you haven't yet or if you know that you need to get back on track with Jesus. But first, I need to tell you more because Jesus continues and he says, So that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. And here is where we can let false expectations set in. You know, because we can ask for whatever we want in Jesus' name, and we will get it. So, God, in Jesus' name, I pray for a million dollars. Boom, I'll get a million dollars right here. I wish it worked like that. I wish it did. Or, just like God, I just pray that life will be easier from here on out because I'm following you, 
in Jesus' name. But that's not how it works. We, we expect that because of Jesus, because we follow Jesus, there will be no more trouble in life. And that will be easy, or at least easier. But the reality is, it's not easy living as a chosen one of Christ, especially whenever you've been set apart by him. And even more so, going into the ministry. All throughout chapter 15 of John and chapter 16, Jesus begins to expand more on the realities of following him, of having been chosen by him. He begins by telling the disciples that you will be hated. He says, if the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. And that is why the world hates you. The very reason the world hates you and the world will hate you, continue to hate you, is because you have been chosen. I think, like, you you look anywhere on social media, you can just see how much the world hates Christians. Like, I just saw earlier today with the Super Bowl commercials about Jesus getting us, there's already some people that are are fighting that. They're against that. It's such a loving message that Jesus loves us and gets us and understands our humanity. The world fights against it and is hating Jesus for that. And we receive that same hate simply because we've chosen to follow him. Jesus says that you will be rejected. He tells the disciples that they, uh, being the uh, Pharisees and the religious leaders at the time, they will put you out of the synagogue. In fact, the time is coming when anyone who kills you will think they are offering a service to God. And so we may not experience that in the same way here in America but we have experienced some rejection of some kind if you've followed Jesus any, for any amount of your life you've probably experienced some form of rejection whether it's family members that are just completely disowning you casting you aside or friends that you've had so you would call ride or die friends and they've just cast you out like you're nothing because you've decided to follow Jesus and not do the same things that they've decided to go into. As you've turned away from the world, the world and those who follow the world have just completely rejected you. And that's just the reality of what it means to follow Jesus is we will be rejected. And Jesus tells his disciples that you will experience sorrow and all of us will experience sorrow. He tells them, very truly I tell you. And anytime Jesus says that, that is the most real he ever is whenever he's speaking. Very truly I tell you, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. So you, if you follow Jesus, you may have felt so much depression, so much anxiety, so much just maybe hatred for yourself because life is so difficult You're following Jesus, you're pursuing that call to to the ministry, you're pursuing what he's called you to, and life just isn't easy at all, it's not better. You're wondering, Jesus, where are you? God, where are you? God, do you hear me? 
and you look around and you see everyone else living life apart from Jesus, partying, doing drugs, getting caught up in gang violence, and they're having joyous times, they're rejoicing in it, and you're wondering why. Why are they able to do that? And I'm following you, Jesus, and it's just worse for me. You know, it's a heavy message, right? Everything I'm talking about, it's heavy. And this is the reality of following Jesus. I'm just going to be straight up with you. Because Jesus would not have said this at all if it, it, it never was going to happen like this. Expecting life to be easy because we believe in Jesus doesn't line up with what it really means to follow him. In fact, it ends up looking like another expectation versus reality that I have. What we expect life with Jesus to be is like this perfect looking family. You know, it's going to be filled with laughter and love and joy. But in reality, following Jesus is simply what Jesus did is bearing our cross daily and following him where it looks like we are gasping for air, we're bleeding, the world is surrounding us, beating us down, mocking us, laughing at us. They're having a fun time doing it. And we're just, we're barely able to stand, barely able to hold this cross. So this may cause you to think, because let's just be real, this may cause you to think, it causes me to think sometimes, why even bother? If this is all that life following Jesus is ever going to be, is this, why even bother? Well, thankfully, Jesus doesn't leave us there. Continue to read in John 15 and 16. You just see how everything he just said, he turns it upside down. Every single thing, he turns it completely upside down. Though we will experience sorrow, Jesus says our sorrow will turn to joy. He phrases it as this, a woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come. But when her baby is born, she forgets the anguish because of her joy that a child is born into the world. So with you, now is your time of grief, but I will see you again and you will rejoice and no one will take away your joy. The, G- the disciples, they got to see Jesus again. As the story continues, he dies, he raises three days later, he hangs out with them for a little bit, and then he ascends. But the same applies to us today. Because since he has ascended, the Bible says he will return. And we have that joy, we have that hope, that future hope, knowing that Jesus will return. And whenever he does, so much joy is going to just fill us up, fill our spirits. It's going to be one huge party, for sure, when Jesus does return. Because if he's done it before, he's, he died and he rose again, who's to say he's not going to return back to heaven or back here on earth? He continues and says that though uh, the disciples are rejected, though we are rejected, we are not alone. For when he, the spirit of truth, 
In other words, the Holy Spirit comes. He will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. I just want to remind you, you are not alone. You have brothers and sisters here with you that make up Excel, that love you, that care for you. Your youth leaders care for you. Your pastors care for you. You are not alone. But I understand that sometimes it it still feels like we're alone, even though we have so many people that love us. But Jesus says that the Holy Spirit has come and he's with us. He's with you. So even though you may feel physically alone, spiritually you are never alone. The Holy Spirit will constantly speak to you. He hears you. He sees you. He knows everything you're feeling, everything you're going through. Whenever other people may not, he does. He's experienced all of it in his life, in like Jesus' life and going to the cross. Though we are rejected, we are not alone. And then finally, he says that though the world hates us, he has overcome the world. At the very end of John 16, the very final verse, he says, I have told you these things, everything that I've shared with you tonight, all the realities, all the good things, all the bad things. I have told you all of these things so that in me you may have peace. For in this world, you will have trouble. That's a promise. You will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. And what Jesus has said has come true. The world hates us, but the world, sin, death, and the grave have all been overcome because of his resurrection and ascension. So what it ends up looking like is even though this is the reality, we may expect it to only ever look like a life following Jesus is bearing that cross, being beaten, gasping for air, bleeding, not knowing if we're ever going to actually survive. The reality is the future hope that we have in that empty tomb. Knowing that death has been defeated Sin has been defeated. It's all been overcome. And we know that Jesus is going to come back again. So we have some time. And I want to just take some time to respond to this message. So I just ask for you to bow your head, close your eyes, do whatever you have to do to just respond to the Lord right now. And let him just speak to you for a few moments. you to remember that the reality of following Jesus means that you have been chosen by him and you've been set apart from the rest of the world. Life won't be easy, 
whenever you choose Jesus. But there's joy and hope that the world will never be able to give you whenever you choose him. So earlier I said I was going to give an opportunity tonight for some of you to choose Jesus either for the first time or you know you need to choose him again. You've been following the ways of this world. You've been picking up so much garbage and holding on to it, thinking that it's, that, that is where your joy is going to come from. And you know it just has not been working. The Apostle Paul writes, yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage, so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I became righteous through faith in Christ, for God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. So this is going to be an opportunity for you to just discard all that garbage that you've been holding on to and put your faith in Jesus, knowing that it's going to be tough, but also knowing that there's a future hope. There's a future hope in following Jesus that is better than anything this world will ever give you. So I'm going to count down from three. And if that's you, you want to choose Jesus and have that right relationship with Jesus, either for the first time or once again, Jesus will never turn you away if you're returning to him. He welcomes you with open arms. He's running to you right now with open arms. I'm going to count down from three. I just want you to raise your hand. Three, two, one. If that's you, please raise your hand. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Students, I want you to to know that you're being very bold and you're being faithful. And Jesus sees you. He sees those hands. He sees your heart. And he's so happy to see that you've chosen him tonight. It doesn't matter what you've done before. It doesn't matter that you've been turning away from him before. He's just so happy to see that you're choosing him again. You can lower your hands. You are now a new creation, and you were loved loved despite your past. And you can now have a new joy that the world can never take from you. So what... Later tonight, I just ask that you would go to Pastor Izzy, go to your pastors, talk with him. He wants to see you. So thank you for being faithful. Now I want to talk to the students here that may be feeling a call to ministry. You know, I shared the reality of what it means to follow Jesus, the reality of following him into the ministry. Everything I shared, it's going to be a little bit worse going into the ministry. But again, that hope is so much greater. The reality of following him may be a little bit more difficult, but the hope, the future hope, is always going to be better going into the ministry and following him. 
You may have felt the call before. You may be feeling the call right now. Just a small, little, soft voice that is speaking to your heart. And I want you to take this opportunity, whether you have accepted the call before or you're feeling it now, just to raise your hand as I count down from three. So you can declare it here and now. Three, two, one. If that's you, if you know you're called to the ministry, thank you. If you are called to the ministry, please raise your hand. And you know that God is calling you to go into the world. Share his good news. Keep that hand raised, please. Anyone else? Anyone else know that the Lord is calling them into the ministry? All right, awesome, awesome. Could you please stand up? Yeah, everyone, everyone, please stand up. If you know that you are called to the ministry, because I know some of you are already serving, working in the ministry, can you please join me in the front? Please. If you know that you're called to the ministry, Jeremiah, if you could, please join me. If you raise your hand, please. And as you're coming up, I just want to encourage you all. Thank you for being bold and being faithful. Thank you for accepting this call and stepping firmly and boldly into it. You know, ministry isn't easy. I'm sure you may already know that. You guys are already serving. It's not gonna be the big spiritual moments that you see at camp or momentum. In fact, it may feel a little awkward a lot of times. You may feel very awkward right now. And that's okay. I just wanna encourage you that God is with you. He's always gonna speak through you. And it's never you. It's never what you do. It's never about you. You're just a vessel in his hands and he takes great care of you. And he's gonna be speaking through you. And so here's what I wanna do for the rest of the, our time here. If you could just turn around and face everyone else. Face your brothers and sisters that are here. Thank you, Sal. Everyone, Excel this. These are your brothers up here that are called to the ministry. And I want to give them an opportunity to minister to you guys. So if you all have any prayer needs, any prayer requests at all, you're going through something, I encourage you to come on up and to ask for prayer from them as we go into one final worship song. Now, if I could have some, some lady youth leaders come on up as well. Uh, just to also help out with uh, any students, young ladies that you also might need some, some prayer for. So that way we can have ladies with ladies, guys with guys. And so they are going to minister to you for the rest of the night. And they're going to pray for you, whatever you're going through. But if you don't have any prayer requests, I just ask that you would respond and worship the Lord. Knowing that you have been chosen and you've been set apart. So we're going to go ahead 
and just have that time for the rest of the night. So however, however you get with the Lord, go ahead and you do you just being with God.